All right, beautiful humans. Welcome back to another episode of Naked Sunday. I am your host, Caleb Nelson, and I have my new friend, Alex Hitt, who's off in the tropical lands of Hawaii, living his best life. So excited to have you here today. Welcome to the show, bro. Hey, thanks, Caleb. Nice to be here. Aloha, right? Aloha. aloha. Shit, I should have started with that too. (laughs) I like to start off every episode with why I appreciate my guest. Why? I think that if we did a little more of that in this world, just telling each other why we care about each other, we'll move the needle a little closer to that whole thing called world peace and love and happiness and all the things in between. So, you know, this is our third conversation together. And in both of our conversations, you've been very transparent. You're very real. You're very open. You're very honest about where you've been. There's no hiding under stuff. And you've also taken a lot of risk in your life. You bet on yourself. And that's something where here I'm at in my life. I see a lot of people who are too afraid to take a shot, to go do the thing. And not only that, like people who fail and then just stop. I've heard like your story a little bit. I'm excited to get dive back into it a little bit more today, but your resiliency and your authenticity and your, you just, the, the guy that you are, like, I've just enjoyed your company and I'm just so grateful to have you on today, man. So I just want to share that with you and uh, I'm excited for uh, a great conversation ahead. Wow. That's a amazing compliment. And I, re- I really appreciate it. Thank you. You're very welcome. Let's start this off. You know yourself better than I. Alex, tell those listening, who are you? Man, yeah, uh, uh, I'm a thinker. You know, I think, uh, I think, right? Um, you know, to, to kind of relate it back to your story and, and you know, my authenticity, and that's been, a, that's been a journey and it's been developing. And I think I started off in life as a very open and trustworthy and kind of honest part of my sleeve type of person, you know, when I was young and in the grocery store, I would go up to random people and and hold their hand. My mom would have to come up and and pull me away and say, Alex, you can't just do that. You know, someone's going to steal you. And I think over the time, you know, that, that openness and that trustiness, um, you know, just through, through life and growing up, uh, you know, changed and I became more, more inward and, and sheltered and armored. And it's been a process for me to come back to that authentic hyper open, trusting, trusting person over the years. And so that you say that, and that's how I come off such a, a, a compliment. And it feels like an achievement to me. Cause I feel like, wow, you know, I kind of got back to that person who I always was right. The person who I was born, which was this trusting and honest and open person. So, yeah, dude, that's super cool. I feel like you said something similar last time, but to hear you say it again, the way you just did, is so cool. And the thought that comes to mind, and I think a lot of people go on this journey and perhaps this is the, the goal of life anyway, is like to go back to that purity that we were when we were born. Like we come out of the womb, we're not effed up by whatever. We're just pure. We're just like, babies are bundles of love. That's all they are. Right. All I know how to do is just like ask for love and just connect and they demand it. And sometimes it's annoying because they just cry, but they're so damn cute. And you just love them anyway. And perhaps on this journey of like what you've talked about and that 
as you're realizing for yourself, and I'm just glad to be a part of helping acknowledge that the journey is back to, to that. It's almost like Benjamin Button. You ever watch that movie? Yeah. yeah. Except instead of the physical, we're just going back to this honest, real, like genuine being, whatever that is, however we want to define it. So that was the kind of the picture in my mind. Maybe this, this conversation would be called the, the, the Benjamin Button. Um, let's dive in. Take us a little bit on this journey. We, we kind of have the opener and the closer where we're at right now. And I would not even so much call it a closer. This is the checkpoint where we're at in your journey. Take me to, how did we get here? Wow. You know, a lot, a lot of places to start in the story and a lot of start and stops too. Um, you know, it's kind of, I think it's almost cheesy to say, you know, when I was born or, you know, when I was, you know, when I, when I grew up back in the, you know, so um, I think we'll start at, you know, where I left off, which is, you know, was this open and trusting child. And then there was a loss of innocence, you know, p- paradise was lost. And, you know, I think everybody goes through this in a certain way as a child. And I, I was maybe more sensitive than other people. And I took it really hard. And I have, which isn't a perfect definition, but an antiadromia. This is a Jungian term, which means a personality shift. And like I said, I went from this open and trusting child to this kind of recluse, you know, lock myself in my room and and play video games and, and keep to myself. And, you know, my parents kind of scratched their head and said, Hey, where did that, where did that kid go? But, you know, this is kids growing up and, you know, gaming culture, you know, was, was, was big back then. But I went through high school and one thing that really woke me up is I was actually in a religious studies class in high school. And there was a, there was a teacher in there who I I didn't grow up religious. I didn't grow up reading the Bible or anything like that. And uh, he used the Bible. And every time that it said God, he replaced it with love. And maybe, maybe now I would you know, be in that class. And I would say, uh, you know, it's okay. But at the time it like blew my mind. Cause I never looked at the Bible or, or thought it was, you know, a deep subject, you know, deep subject matter, but the way he did it, it just like kind of, you know, uh, was, it was influential on me and he directed me to, uh, Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. And I read that and saw, I was, I was big into media and saw the hero's journey and all these different pieces of media that I loved. And all of my favorite movies was the hero's journey to a T. And so I went out on this hero's journey myself on this quest for God and looked high and low, you know, studied Eastern religions and, and Western mysticism and, and the occult and, of course, conspiracy theories and, and all these kind of, you know, out there, out there things. And um, it, it kind of culminates after college, which I call the dark night of the soul, you know, when I was really kind of going through childhood baggage and, and anger and, you know, trying to find that person who I was again, right. And and trying to get rid of all these things. And it kind of, it kind of peaked at at a certain moment of of discovery for me, um, which is a whole, a whole, you know, book worth of information, but but I, but I realized that, you know, what I was looking for was with me all along and God, which I believe in now was also with me all along throughout the entire journey. And, and that really opened me up to this world of, um, unlimited possibilities and that, 
this world wasn't a hard materialist um rigid place and that instead of all the world conspiring against me in a way the entire world was conspiring for my benefit and i realized man i'm not in a bad place i'm in a really good place and if i just kind of trust in myself and other people and the world the universe god um you know this is a good place and things are going to work out and and things that i couldn't even expect that were beyond my imagination you know were going to help me and come to my aid and and uh and, and so i, I kind of got that that uh that feeling of uh yeah playback i guess of wow you know i don't have to be this this uh hard materialist skeptic critic of everyone else and everything i can have an open trusting inquisitive curious mind about things and uh and that's going to show me things that i that i've never had seen before if i if i had that that other perspective bro i was so hyped about this conversation the fact that you just took it there already like Let's touch on the God is love. Um, I think what your professor did was actually quite profound. Your teacher, let alone high school. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. Um, as somebody who struggled with a connection to something greater than myself, um, that was quite poignant for me, my friend. Um, as somebody who now believes in something bigger than me, we'll just use the term God. I remember a couple of years ago when I just, I was driving home from the gym with my wife and I just told her, hun, I just decided I believe. And she's like, thank God she, you're driving because I would have gone off the road. Um, but I love the replacing of love because I mean, a lot of people have said God is love. God is this, God, love is everything. God is everything. And I think if we look at it from, instead of like this um, humanistic determination of what is God, I feel like that's a human term. I don't think we have human words to describe something that is not human. Right. So I, what I thought about that interjection there is probably the most prudent way to, to, to look at it. If you think of it as love instead, to me, love is an action. It's giving of yourself an authentic version of yourself. And what I'm hearing within your story is that you've come back to this honest, open, trusting, loving, caring, curious being. You've come back to love instead, which I thought like, that's what I was hearing all along as you're talking about. Wow. That's fucking cool, man. Like that's really like, I think people spend their entire life trying to figure some of that stuff out and they try to keep it in so much like I'm going to look at my spreadsheets I'm going to look at like the the box everything's going to be in this box I have to be able to control mm -hmm. it and you even mm -hmm. perhaps you even mentioned the word control I'm trying to control everything realizing you don't have control anywhere you can only be curious you can only like lead with what you have so when you said you went on this search for this quest for god or this quest for love which I would dare say is the the true journey in there yeah. Really powerful. And, and, and the, the, the hero's journey is, is kind of a romantic ideal to, to think that I am 
a hero, you know, in my own journey, you know, I'm this, I'm this knight of my own story, you know, that, that, that takes a romantic, you know, kind of perspective on things. And I, I definitely have that. I romanticize things. Absolutely. Which, which has a positive and a negative, right? It does. Well, I appreciate you bringing that up because I think a lot of people don't appreciate those. I think there's a lot of guilt in like having success. I think a lot of people, when I've, I'm continu- continuing to learn, the more I work with successful people, successful couples, you name it, people are feel guilty about having a successful marriage. They feel guilty about having a successful business. They feel guilty about having successful health practices and looking better naked, whatever that means and being okay. Like people feel guilty being happy. I am not going to exclude myself from that. I struggle with that immensely. So I think that that, what you've described in the hero's journey, this romanticized, like I went into darkness. I was willing to go without success. Sometimes is what we paint ourselves out of I'm just curious about your perspective on this. What if we just didn't need to go on the hero's journey? What if we just appreciated what we had to begin with? Where, where do you take that? You know, I've heard this, that, you know, people want to live in a one season world, mm. you know, and I live in Hawaii, so I do live in a one season, <laughs> world. but people, people don't want to, um, you know, I use a lot of Jungian terms because that was kind of what I was reading when I was going through this journey. But there, there's a concept called integrating the shadow, hmm. which I think can be taken in the in a wrong way and in a right way of, you know, all of us have this. Uh, I don't know, this this dark side or this story or, you know, whatever it is. And I how do we authentically engage with that and integrate that into our story? I mean, that was kind of one thing that we were talking about is like, man, you know, all of us have these kind of unsavory elements of, of our life or our journey and to contextualize it in a way or to, to not uh, paint over it. Right. And so, yeah. Sorry. What was the question again? I was just curious about like, what if we started and never, what if we never forced ourselves to go down this dip? Like Mm. it almost seems like we put, we've, and I've talked to a few friends who've shared this, their thoughts. So that's why I'm curious about yours. It's almost like we force ourselves to go through failure. And I mean like Mm. catastrophic, like we, we romanticize somebody who has risen from the ashes, somebody who lost it all and got it all back. Yeah. But rarely do we just say, here's the person who just did it the way it needed to be done all along. That's also just as romantic because that's Mm. difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is an, you know, I don't know if this is just American culture, but the rags to riches story. But for Mm. me, it wasn't that I wanted to be in that place. It was that I was in that place. You know, I, I, I had a choice, but at the time I didn't feel like one, you know, I didn't have the skills. I didn't have the knowledge to get myself out. I didn't have the mentorship, Mm. you know, to really understand. And so I turned to, you know, at the time in in college when I was going through all this stuff to, you know, around 2008, you know, YouTube was really big and there was these, you know, YouTube celebrities and stuff. And I gravitated towards, towards different people on there um, for that kind of mentorship that, that, uh, you know, uh, role model figure 
because I, you know, growing up, I had my father who was a, a fantastic role model, but, but a businessman uh, and traveled all over the country. And, you know, me, I realized that I was closer to my mother than I was my father growing up. And I, I've heard this before that when you're younger, maybe you're a little bit more like your mother. And as you get older, you kind of turn into your father. And now I'm a lot like my dad and we get along a lot better, but I think I was looking for, you know, mentorship in that way. And it's interesting. I, I talked to my dad about, about some of these things and, you know, he, he says, I don't even think this way. You know, that's a, that was a really interesting revelation for me that, you know, a lot of the miscommunication growing up was that we were just really two different people. And they've always described me as very thoughtful and very inquisitive and very probing and curious about things. And, you know, he, he's not into Jungian psychology. He's not into archetypes and the hero's journey. And that's just out of his wheelhouse. And um, so I think I was on a, you know, a search for God, but also a search for identity, you know? And, and so I, to answer your question, it's like, what if we didn't? I think that'd be great. You know, sometimes I wish, man, I wish I didn't go through all those things, mm. you know, but I didn't have a choice at the time. And I was clawing my way out of the hole, mm. you know, clawing my way out of, out of the underworld, trying to, trying to find something that, that would uh, brighten up my life, I guess. Right. If you could share just a little bit of context around like what you were struggling with and then what were you doing to get yourself out of that space? What I was going through, I was, uh, I, I, like I said, I had this kind of personality change and I went, I went inward and I started to be very, uh, I was always into arguing and, and debating. Hmm. And, um, I think I just, at the time, I just didn't really know how to relate to people, you know, and I was, I was being kind of antisocial and combative and, and, uh, you know, and I don't know if public school is the best place to, you know, practice your social skills, but that's where I grew up, you know, in public school and hated, hated school was, was a troublemaker and, um, and, and stuff like that. So I, I was just going through this kind of, you, you know, kind of anger and angst. I say my teenage angst came late and then I went into college. And I hated college. I mean, I did not want to be there, you know, but I was like, what else am I going to do? Mm. And I uh, didn't really engage in, in college. You know, I didn't, I wasn't part of clubs. I didn't socialize, go to a ton of parties or anything like that. But I was on this, in, you know, inward search. And I'd actually spend a lot of time listening to YouTube videos, walking around campus. Walking was really therapeutic at the time for me. And I'd go on multiple hour long walks every day, just walking, walking, walking and, uh, listening to stuff, listening to a lot of Joseph Campbell and, um, other people on, on YouTube about symbolism. And, uh, you know, at the time you could find any type of video on YouTube This is before they censored everything and shut everything down. So, you know, listening to crazy things and yeah. just expanding my perspective. And, and there, there's a key part of this, which, which I almost have to leave out. Um, and just say, you know, people got to, you know, I'm actually writing a book kind of on the subject of my discovery, right? Because there was a major discovery and um, that really changed my entire perspective about life. And it, and like I said, it had to do with something that was personal and with me the entire time, mm -hmm. you know, 
um, that related to my, my family um, and, and our family history. Mm-hmm. And, and when I discovered this, you know, things radically changed, right? It was that, it was that turning point where I said, wow, um, this world is, is absolutely amazing. It's, it's, it, it, it's not, a, um, it's not what I think, right? This world is not what I think it is. And I thought I knew everything, mm-hmm. you know, at the time. I was this very opinionated. I'd go home and, and tell my parents, well, you know, this is the ideal government. And my mom would be like, you're 19 years old. You don't know. What are you talking about? You know, like you're being ridiculous here, you know, but this was part of the, the being kind of inconsiderate to other people and not understanding and not empathetic and not forgiving of other people. I wasn't very forgiving of other people yeah. and their faults, even though I had so many. Right. And so this would lead to arguments and I, I know better than you. Right. And I think the discovery, what it really did was humbled me. Mm. It was really a humbling moment and saying, I don't know anything about this life. And it was right in front of my nose this entire time. But I was so myopically focused on what I, you know, at this one small thing that I wasn't looking at the big picture. And when I looked at the big picture, well, it was all there the entire time. Mm. But, I was, but I was looking, you know, at my one little, you know, point, I was looking at through my point of view. So I think that empathy was huge, you know, for other people and forgiving other people, forgiving my parents, forgiving, you know, my family for, you know, maybe not being there in the way that I wanted them to be. Mm. And uh, yeah, yeah, I think that was really big was just was, you, you know, one, one of the kind of the things I had was I, ha- I felt like I had. So I, I think a lot of people go through. I felt like I had social anxiety, mm. right, because I, I was doing things that were antisocial and then people would respond negatively. So, oh, well, people are responding. It must be because I have some sort of social, you know, thing. But what I realized is that instead of shying away from that discomfort, you know, if there was a pause in the conversation or if, if things felt uncomfortable, it was just to be present in that, in that conversation and try to really be open and present to what the other person may have been going through or what they were wanting to say. And this was really expressed when I, I was working in hotels. Mm. So I have an interesting journey, you know, of how I got into hotels, but, but when I started working into hotels, um, I started practicing this, which is nice because at a hotel, you have a, a, a position, you have a role, you know, it's not like a party, you go up to somebody at a party and it's like, you're just kind of two strangers, right? At a hotel, you have a job and a position and a reason to be there. Yeah. But there would still be this, this interaction opportunity. And I started to really practice that of just, hey, just be there with people and be open to people and let people, you know, don't feel like you have to monopolize the conversation or, or lead the conversation a certain way. Just allow them to, you know. And it was amazing when, when I started doing that, people really opened up to me, hmm. you know, and all of that angst or all of that I'm socially awkward. It just wasn't true. You know, and people really enjoyed me. People really liked me. And I and and I and I started to enjoy, you know, being, you know, talking and 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 um yeah, yeah, with other people. So that that was that was kind of a revelatory moment for me. Was yeah, I I discovered that, you know, I was humbled, right? I'm not I'm not I'm not a know-it-all, right? And then taking that perspective and and you know, I was able to kind of practice it in a, in the hotel. And, and that was a, a big thing for me.
really love that. Again, I'm echoing a lot of things and I'm not going to turn it too much to me here at all, but like I hear like these pivotal moments in people's life where it just goes, the light bulb went on and humility, that humbling moment, that's the word that keeps coming up. This epiphany. And you said to yourself, like, I thought I knew everything. And then I realized I knew nothing. Hmm. And from what I was hearing prior to that, you're on this journey to like understand stuff. I was collecting all this information, perhaps just all this data on these long marathon walks mm -hmm. from people like you're not even engaging with to this moment, bang, I really don't know anything. And I really liked your part of that, like the forgiveness piece. I don't know how many conversations you had with family or otherwise, but even just like internally to say like, hey, I forgive you, you and you. And even forgiving yourself, uh, dare I say that's probably part of that paradigm, but then seeing how when you let other people in and engage that, because it was, I don't know, and I'm going to inter interact with you, that openness allowed you to start to see other goodness in other people, but also like saw something else in yourself. Like that was really cool. Like, for me, what I hear is like a very harsh, raw, masculine to like a, a softer, more accepting feminine but what I also hear is like the two at the same time, a harmony between those two energies. And the more I do this kind of stuff, like the more I realize like it's about understanding the dynamics between that. It's not all one or all the other, even in, in any relationship, including the one within yourself. And I heard that just parlayed in, in what you were talking about there, which is so cool. And then what it sounded like was this within the brick and mortar, the masculine walls of a, a business, we'll call it that because it's got to make money. You were able to practice a skill set of asking questions, empathy, which is again, a feminine energy, the feelings and building that skill set and getting confident in yourself to be able to do that. I think that's so cool. I think a lot of people and myself included have shied away from structure especially if structure or rigidity or like some harsh authority made us feel lesser than at some point. And it's not them making us feel lesser than we gave it permission to allow us to feel lesser than we then dismiss. And I'll say we, but I'm including myself in the, we dismiss any sense of order, stability, consistency as the demon that it was one. Like, we were always associating that. So seeing how you have this gratitude for this space, this professional environment to nurture the skill set that sounded like you really wanted to reconnect with. It's so cool that you were able to see that in your journey, in your, in your path, man, that was, that's what really stuck out for me in, in that little phase there of your life. Where'd that take you? So when I was practicing all these hospitality skills, I was actually working the night shift. Oh, and so this was kind of a, a, a second dark night of the soul moment, but this was, this, this, this was different because the first time it was through, you know, information online. And now I was getting the information through other people. Right. And I, I worked the night shift at this hotel for two years and they promoted me to this new $36 million hotel. And I was, what they called the guest experience manager, 
which I call the most millennial title ever, right? And I said, what's what I said, what the heck is a guest experience manager? And they're like, oh, you know, it's like a concierge. Okay, sounds good to me, right? So I went from night shift to the guest experience manager of a $36 million hotel. And they gave me one assignment. They said, Alex, make it number one in the world. I'm like, uh, okay, right, sure, right. So, you know, this hotel opens up in the first two weeks. I'm I'm this drill sergeant, you know, stand up straight. We got to be number one, do it like this, do it like that. And uh, after about two weeks, I was pretty much exhausted doing that and said, man, this, I can't do this. You know, it was a group of young people. It's a hotel, you know, it's mostly young people. There's a valet and a restaurant security housekeeping, you know, all, all this stuff. And I realized too, I wasn't the guest experience manager. I was actually the hotel manager. So from 3 PM to 11 PM, I was the only manager on duty. And so I went from, like I said, night shift to managing this. And uh, at about week two, I said, you know what? I'm just going to have fun doing this. You know, what's the worst that could happen, I guess? Let the, let the people higher up worry about, you know, finances or, or this or that. But I'm just going to have fun. And, you know, this is a new hotel and young staff. And uh, that openness to, to fun and to see what happens happens allowed me to fall in love with uh, a girl behind the front desk whose name is Johanna, who's still my girlfriend. And we fell in love behind the front desk of the hotel. Um, and people would come up to us at the hotel and, and they'd say, wow, this is the best hotel I've ever been to. And you guys are the nicest people I've ever met. And we're like, really? Okay, sure. You know, glad you enjoy it. Right. And the reviews start coming in and, you know, people are always mentioning us, Alex and Johanna, they're, they're amazing. They're the best. And at the end of the year, the hotel became the number one hotel in the world and its brand. Wow. And I was invited by corporate to, to speak to over 52 general managers all around the world about what makes us number one. And, and that was a really healing thing for me to say, wow, you know, look again, when I was that playful, open, not this serious armored stand up straight, do it like this, you know, person. And I was, you know, I was that authentic Alex. That's a world-class experience that blew my mind. And uh, that was super healing for me. And then, you know, I got my, my, my girlfriend too, who the, kind of the basis of our relationship was it, it, she caught me at a time where I was like, you know what, I'm just going to be honest, you know, what a, what a amazing revelation. Right. But I'm going to be honest with somebody really, you know, hundred percent. And our first date, you know, we shared things that I don't think we ever shared with other people before. And we just immediately had this amazing connection and, and, uh, and then, and then we moved to Hawaii. Wow. You know, I don't know if you've picked up on this yet, but guest experience manager, I don't know, again, if this is part of that millennial, uh, spells gem. I thought that was gem. great. Yeah. Did you yeah. know that? I don't know if you're aware. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that'd be the joke. Be like, oh, you're a real gem. You know? <laughs> yeah. I love everything about that. Uh, yeah, bro, the honesty leading with that is so cool that it sounds like for the first time in your intimate relationships, you led with just like, this is me. Here's what it is. Take it or leave it. And it also held the space for your, your, your partner to also your now partner to be the same. And I think that that's, 
a really profound we can actually give to other people. I don't think that, I think a lot of times we interpret honesty or authenticity as like, I'm being selfish because I'm just going to make me, I'm like, I'm just going to be me, whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's not about, I'm just going to be me. You know, there's that, there's that piece, which is usually you're putting, you're trying too hard to be something that, again, it's not actually being you, but I'm just going to be me. And with that, as much as it makes me feel a little nervous to just say, here it is. It also makes space for somebody else and almost gives the other person permission to also let their walls down and be honest and be real and be authentic and feel safe doing so. And to me, it's no surprise that you guys were able to forge a meaningful relationship out of that so much so that you decided to now be in Hawaii. Like That's so cool. Now your story in Hawaii is also just as illuminous. So take me on that take me on this journey. Right. Yeah. So in between this, uh, this is going to throw you for a loop, but in between this night, you know, night auditor, night manager, of this hotel to guest experience manager. Um, I actually biked halfway across Japan. So after college, I moved out of Wisconsin, I moved to Colorado, and then I had an opportunity to, to go stay in Japan for a little bit. With, to see my friend and got an opportunity to uh, manage an international hostel. And so that was my introduction into the hospitality industry. Um, might take this conversation in a new direction, but... It's okay. Um, I didn't know about this. Yeah, it, it was one of those things that... So I went from... After college, I wanted to leave Wisconsin so bad. And I, my, my present to myself for graduating college was I was going to hike the Colorado Trail. And so I spent all of my graduation money buying an ultralight tent, you know, all this stuff. And I drive all the way out to Colorado. My mom cried when I left because she thought I was going to die. And I just drove out there. And one day um, I I had a friend who lived in Denver, stayed with him in Denver. And then the next day I I was off on the trail and I, and I hiked the trail. And on my first day, my boots are too small. My tent completely falls down. It's like the worst 10 ever. It's this ultra light, you know, it's made of like tissue paper. My boots were too small. My backpack was too heavy. I couldn't light my stove. It wouldn't stand up. It was just a huge failure. And I was just like, Oh my God, you know, like what, what am I going to do? I spent all my money. I got nothing going for me. You know, this was my big thing. And and it's just, and I failed. And so I put my head down and I walked back to my friend's house. I was like, I can't do that. And the Colorado trail is one of the hardest hiking trails in the country. It's, it's multiple, uh, 14ers, which is mountains of 14,000 feet. So I lived in Colorado, but then I had an opportunity to move out to Japan. And, and that was an, um, just the craziest, you know, most amazing experience where it, it was one of those things that man, life is bigger and better than I could ever imagine. And the things that happened to me out there <laughs> couldn't plan. Right. Um, but that, that, that kind of journey made me open to this kind of crazy idea of, Hey, let's just go to Hawaii. So how that came about is me and my girlfriend were at the hotel front desk, literally. And we said, you know, we kind of reached the pinnacle of hospitality management in Madison, Wisconsin, which isn't very high, but you know, we, we were there, you know, and we said, let's go somewhere. Let's go somewhere else. My girlfriend said, okay, well, what? let's move to Hawaii. I thought about it for a second. Yeah, let's do it. She's like, you're not going to do it. 
like, no, yeah, let's do it. We were into, you know, in an official relationship for maybe six months. Um, and right there behind the front desk of the hotel, we picked the cheapest day in December, December of 2019 and brought one-way tickets with no plan and didn't tell anybody at the hotel and yeah, just picked the cheapest day and, and moved there with no car, no job, no apartment, no connections. It was just two crazy kids and five credit cards. And, uh, yeah. And I just, and I just told her she, you know, she's a small town girl from Wisconsin. She, she traveled to Europe after college and, you know, had an amazing experience. So she's no novice to adventure, but not like this, mm. you know, she had money saved in a plan. And, and, and this was, I, I just told her just, it's going to be bigger and better than you could ever even imagine. So don't even try to plan for it. And luckily I delivered on that promise because when we landed, you know, we're, we're hustling, trying to find an apartment. And this is December of 2019, the Christmas before COVID. Right. And so Waikiki beach is packed. There's so many people in Hawaii. And I messaged literally 300 people on Craigslist trying to look for an apartment. And one gets back to me one that wasn't a scam. And so we go down to this apartment on Waikiki beach. We go up to the 20th floor and we look at this apartment and it's literally apartment 2020. And we're like, Whoa, apartment 2020. Like it's December, 2019. Right. The girl opens the door, walks us in. It's the most beautiful ocean view I've ever seen in my life on the 20th story, this Waikiki beach high rise ocean view the sun is setting there's surfers in the background there's sailboats it's right on the marina and we're just like we gotta have this place right it's a studio and and the girl says i actually move out tomorrow i have to do an emergency trip home to go see my dying grandma can you move in tomorrow and we both look at each other and we're like of course right so we come the next day and she's moving the last bit of our stuff out and the landlord shows up and she goes, what's going on here? And the, the girl is rent, you know, renting us the apartment. She goes, I'm leaving. These are your new tenants and hands us the keys and walks out. The landlord looks at us and like scratches their head. And she's like, well, good, good enough, I guess. Right. She goes, I'll give you a lease in a couple of days. She walks out and we're just in this apartment on Waikiki beach apartment. 2020 didn't pay a down payment. Didn't fill out a lease. You know, nothing. I mean, so we get, we get this apartment for free <laughs> and we didn't pay anything for, you know, up until the first week of January. Wow. And so we just got this apartment for free apartment 2020. And, you know, my girlfriend kind of looks at me at that point and she goes, you know, yeah, bigger and better than I ever imagined. That's for sure. Right. And that was just the beginning of it, kind of this, this crazy journey that we had. And, but that was the, that was the clue, right. That I needed to say, uh, yeah, we're supposed to be here. This was the right move. We made the right decision. And uh, yeah, then, then things got kind of mixed up with COVID, you know, soon after. Take me on that journey. Take me on the COVID. Well, like we're in it now. I'm, I'm wrapped in it right now. Okay. So, so we're in apartment 2020 and, and we thought, Hey, let's move to Hawaii and it'll be a smorgasbord of job opportunities for us. Right. Cause we got these glowing resumes, you know, number one guest experience manager in the world. And, uh, I actually get a job offer at the hotel right across the street from where we live. We can see the hotel right outside my window, right, right outside our window, which was ironic because when I lived in Madison, Wisconsin, the hotel that I worked at was 
right outside my window. It was literally right across the street. Well, it was the same thing when we moved to Hawaii. So this was another like, you know, I don't know, God winking at me, right? Like you're doing the right thing. So this, this, this uh, hotel is actually a timeshare. And they say, hey, you can sell timeshare here, but all you have to do is get your real estate license. And I said, okay, well, how hard is that? You know? So I spent a couple thousand dollars on a credit card because you needed to do the training and the, the real estate exam and licensing and all this stuff. And I got my real estate license in under five weeks, which is really fast. It takes some people six months a year. I just studied six hours or, you know, six, eight hours a day, listening to the tapes on repeat, go take the test, pass it, pass it, come back to the company. I'm like, Hey, I got my real estate license. And they're like, Holy wow. That was really fast. Well, can you start training the following Monday? I'm like, absolutely. So there's a week long of corporate training where they teach you about the product and all this stuff. And at the time we're hearing murmurs of COVID, right? Places in the country, Hawaii is a little bit delayed on, on things, but you're hearing these murmurs around the country and about halfway through, they say, oh, they shut down the, you know, the Washington branch and they shut down this. Well, on Friday, they literally hand me my certificate. They say, congratulations, Alex, your first shift is on Monday. You can sell timeshare on Monday at that exact moment my corporate trainer gets a phone call and she says, Oh, this is from headquarters. I have to take this. She steps out of the room, comes back into the room and her face is all sunk. And she's like, I was just furloughed for COVID. And I'm like, wow, so, you know, sucks to be you. Right. Well, the following Monday, which is supposed to be my first shift, it, it sucked to be me. Cause I got a phone call and said I was furloughed too. Wow. And every single hotel in Waikiki beach shut down. And we thought, wow, you know, what's going to happen now? And, you know, we realized, hey, we're not going to qualify for unemployment because we quit our old jobs and I'm really not even an official employee yet. So we didn't qualify for unemployment. Um, and we thought, man, how long is this going to last? Right. And there was a run on the stores here in Hawaii. You know, we had to go buy our, all of our, you know, essentials. And we just were doing it on credit cards, you know, thinking this is going to be over soon. I'm going to go back to my timeshare job. And I was smart enough when I first started or when we first landed in Hawaii to download Uber Eats and DoorDash and Grubhub. And so I, I started driving delivery. You know, everyone's locked down. I would literally drive the streets in Honolulu and there wouldn't be a single car on it. We'd walk down Waikiki Beach, one of the most popular beaches in the world. There wouldn't be a soul on it. And so it was this really interesting experience where I'm driving all around this new city that I, you know, didn't know anything about. And you know, delivering food and was making a killing at the time because nobody else had had the foresight or, you know, no one was expecting it. And so for the first, you know, two weeks, I was making $2,000 a week, you know, and so that helped. And, um, but I kept putting things on credit cards and thinking, man, this is going to be over soon. And I kept doing that. And, you know, it just kept, kept getting delayed and the delivery driving slowed down as everybody else, you know, needed to do delivery driving, but the bills kept racking up. And so I would get free furniture on Facebook and resell it. I was stacking our studio apartment up with Ottomans and, you know, driving would really slow down. And I would actually go to uh, building sites and ask if they had any leftover building materials. And so at one point I had 900 pounds of concrete in the back of my Honda fit that I was trying to flip on Facebook marketplace. Um, so if you can imagine 900 pounds in the back of a Honda fit, you know, the, the bumper is literally dragging on the ground and did this for all of 2020. I was just hustling and I still went into a ton of credit card debt and thought, man, I better get this timeshare job back. Otherwise I'm never going to be able to get out of this hole. 
And at the end of 2020, they called me and they said, uh, you don't have a job anymore. You don't have a job to come back to. You're permanently laid off. And I thought, holy, you know, what am I going to do now? I'm never going to be, like I said, never going to be able to get out of this hole at a nine to five. Well, I said, I have this real estate license. Let me try to become a realtor. And so at the end of 2020, um, switched my license over to real estate. And I created a, a you know, social media, Alex hit Hawaii real estate, you know, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, changed it all. Let everybody know, hey, I'm a real estate agent in Hawaii. And I didn't know anybody were still locked down. And so I'd go on social media. And I would just follow hundreds of people a day in between delivery driving. I would just go and I would just pretty much randomly, you know, just follow people and like things and just get exposure, you know, and my name was Alex hit Hawaii real estate. So every time I interacted with somebody, it came up, Oh, Alex hit Hawaii real estate. Well, if you look at my, my, my Twitter account, I follow 5,000 people. Well, one out of these 5,000 people sends me a message and they say, Hey, Alex, we should talk sometime. And I, I send them a message back and I say, really about what? Re I literally said that. And they go, real estate. I, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, of course. I'm a real estate agent. Duh, that's what, Of course. And so we go back and forth for a little while. And then they say, okay, we're going to come look at houses in January of 2021. Can you meet us? Of course, right? So they fly in. I rent a car on a credit card. The last little bit that I had on a credit card. Literally had to clear money out so I could you know, rent it pick them up from the airport. We're driving to go look at our, you know, first houses. They say, Alex, tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh, you know, I'm Alex. I'm originally from Madison, Wisconsin and lived in Colorado and lived in Japan. And now I live in Hawaii. The husband looks at me and scratches his head. He goes, really? Uh, when were you in the Navy? And I'm like, what, what are you talking? I was never in the Navy. He goes, really? Cause Scott so-and-so said you guys were Navy brothers. Don't you know who Scott so-and-so is? No, I, I actually don't. And the husband realizes in that moment, I'm not the real estate agent that he thinks I am. I'm somebody completely different. Oh my and, God. Uh, luckily his wife was very courteous and changed the subject. And we just kind of mold, you know, brushed that over and go look at houses you know, that day. And I'm, I'm actually leaving out the craziest part. So, you know, I, I, these people, I'm not who they think I am. Right. Well, the craziest part about this is the husband is a former FBI agent and both him and his wife are moving to Oahu to work for the NSA. And so their profession is cybersecurity, online intelligence, background checks, and they didn't do a background check on the realtor. That's amazing. And, and so this amazing. is one of those. This is one of those things that's it's bit it's it's not only bigger and better than you could ever imagine. It's absurd. It's impossible. This can't happen. You know that you trick an FBI agent into being their realtor. It's a case of mistaken identity. But you know, at that point, what are they going to do? Right? They're in the car, and and we're going to go look at a house. So we're in the car with the with the FBI agents and. You know, we go look at these houses and houses in Hawaii aren't cheap. And so they say, Alex, let's put an offer in on this house. And it's a house for over a million dollars. It's $1.1 million. And so, you know, great. Yeah, let's do it. Right. So I go home that night, late at night, and I literally Google search how to do a real estate offer, <laughs> you know, how to do a real estate contract. Cause I had no idea how to do it. And the next morning I call my broker. I'm like, you got to help me. I got, I got this huge contract and I don't know what, you know, what I'm doing. And 
Um, didn't get in an accepted offer on that one. Um, took a couple tries, you know, the market's competitive everywhere and uh, eventually got an accepted offer for $1.42 million on a house. And uh, they're elated. It was actually, you know, it kind of worked out perfect. It was the exact house that, you know, it was the perfect house basically, right? So the deal closes in 30 days and I hand them the keys and they were so gracious. At the very end, I hand them the keys and they say, okay, Alex, how many houses have you sold before? And I'm like, oh no, you know, first direct question they've asked about it. And you can't lie to the FBI. So I said, actually, this is my first one ever. And the wife's crying and the husband's shaking. My, you did such an amazing job. We knew it. We knew this was your first one and we're, it makes it so much better. So gracious. And, you know, they took us out to dinner. I told them the entire story. You know, we moved here with nothing, had nothing, um, got laid off, got fired in debt up to my eyeballs, you know, driving delivery every single day and out of the blue, out of nowhere, you know, for whatever reason, they messaged me and said, let's work together thinking I was somebody else. And I got a commission check for $35,000, which was more money than I made the entire previous year, driving delivery 12 hours a day, flipping front, you know, incredible. And so that, that, that took me out of a big hole, you know, changed my life completely. And uh, dived into online networking and started sharing my story with people, you know, my, my amazing journey and that I'm a real estate agent in Hawaii now. And people were just like, you know, I knew the story was, was, you know, incredible, but other people heard it and they, you know, you need to write a book, you need to do this, you, you know, and that was really fun um, just to kind of share where I was. And for the rest of 2021, I, I actually did another, I did two more deals. So I did, you know, $3 million with the real estate sales in 2021, which, you know, is a pretty okay paycheck for your first year in real estate. And um, yeah, yeah. So, you know, kind of where I leave that story off of the moral of that story is, is one, you never know who you're going to meet on the internet. You know, it, it, this is an amazing thing. You know, so anytime anyone sends me a random connection or a, sends me a message, I always respond because that could be a million dollar deal there, right? Um, and also that, you know, I could have never, if you would have told me that story in 2020, that I would become a real estate agent, trick an FBI agent into buying a house for $1.42 million, you know, nobody would believe that, you know, nobody. And it was just another one of those things that's, you know, you, it's bigger and better than, you know, than I could ever even perceive. And not even that, that it's, you know impossible, you know, that there's things that are impossible that can happen, you know? So, and, you know, started 2021, I, I realized kind of through that journey that, you know, selling real estate in Hawaii is one thing, but I, but I realized through 2020 driving delivery, flipping furniture, concrete, becoming a real estate agent on a whim, figuring it out as I go that I'm really an entrepreneur. And I had a moment of kind of growing up of, I used to be this lackadaisical hotel manager, you know, whatever people, you know, have fun type of thing to this hustler, right. To this entrepreneur. And so that's kind of the space I am right now of I'm an entrepreneur. Um, and my interests um, expand outside of real estate in Hawaii and, uh, um, 
and I, I'm kind of searching for my thing, you know, of, of what's the, hey, what's the long-term plan here, right? Mm. Yeah. Dude, that's an inspiring story. And if I didn't already love you, man, I love you a little more right now. So like, it's really cool. And I said, when I started this episode about your resiliency, a lot of people, when they get the storm thrown at them, whatever, they just curl up in a ball and they just wait for somebody to come save them. It didn't even sound like it even dawned upon you that that's an option. It's like, I guess this is what I'm doing now. And then I guess I'm doing this now. And I guess I'm doing this now. And the muscle you train in that is pretty powerful. And the skill set you have goes everywhere. And learning how to talk to people, learning how to connect with people. And your openness, like, if we're talking about, like, you weren't talking to people and the, like, kind of talk, like, in the context of the hotel talking to people. And now, like, I guess I'm just going to talk to people on the internet. The most vast, open, like, here's a sea of humans. Let's see who, what we're going to get. And your openness is like, I'm going to talk to, like, Dude, I didn't know you a month ago. I like, that's, what's crazy. Like when you said that, I was like, yeah, kind of like this conversation right now. Like you don't know who you're going to meet on the internet. You don't, I think this. so many people have this and I understand why this dark shade on like, and their perspective on people, but there's a lot of people out there who are, I won't say, I'm going to say lonely but are looking to help that they haven't found their next person to help. And they're they, like, it's part of their fulfillment. Like that couple you're talking about, they were happy to help you with your first big sale. Yeah. They probably, I mean, I don't know how much you talk to them afterwards, but I'd be curious to hear their story because I'm going to go on a limb and say, they saw some things too. They probably had somebody come through their life and go, I'm going to give you a leg up right now. I'm going to help you out. Is it perfect? Is it optimal? Maybe not, but they already knew what they needed in the first place. And part of also what they needed was in this opportunity, in that moment, a chance to like give this guy a shot. I mean, plus it also doesn't look good if they don't go through with the deal on the guy they messed up with their job, which I thought, I mean, you're right. You can't make that up. Like they would not write a movie script about that, but they might have to just for you. Uh, I think there's something really profound in that. And the more I talk to successful people, true successful people, not people who are just chasing the almighty dollar only, you need money to survive. Like that's the world we live in. You need stuff to like meet your basic needs. But what I've found people that are truly heart driven, that are really looking to serve and provide value to others and to connect and they rise to this level of success. It's not about, they don't, they're not about just keeping it for themselves. They're looking to do with those resources good with others. And that's what I heard in there, which to me is really inspiring. On top of the fact of all the things you went through and took a leap of faith with your girlfriend and you're building this life out there in this foreign land and you're, there's somehow you have this confidence or faking it until you make it. I don't know, to just be like, I guess, fuck it, I'll just figure it out. We'll be all right. Like, okay, we're here. And um, the other thing that came up for me, especially as you talked about the apartment, everything like this looks like the stars were aligning. And we talked about that hero's journey. There's that 
misconception in this world about the Disney movie ending. The, I went on my hero's journey, I slayed the beast and then I got the girl and then we rode off into the sunset and then everything's cool. Right. That's just not true. And here you were having already come through some dips and some dives and some things. The, set, the scene is set. You're ready to ride off into the literal sunset and the beautiful mm-hmm. Waikiki right. with a comfy job and all that stuff. The, the one-seasoned world, the right? The one-seasoned world. Oof. Yeah. Oof. That's, he- that's a good one. Right. And then an actual pandemic rolls through. And like right. you had to learn how to deal amidst yeah. the other things that came up with it so cool man like so cool yeah yeah i just had that i just had that faith the entire time of we're in apartment 2020 you know we're supposed to be here there's a way there's gonna be something i didn't know what it was Mm. you know i had no idea what it was and looking back on it even at the time even when we were in debt up to our eyeballs and and no way out and you know isolated in a foreign land, you know, far away from everybody that we knew and everything. And just us two, you know, newlywed, so to say in a studio apartment. And, uh, you know, and I think there could have been two things that happened that, you know, it ended and, and it, you know, we became farther apart or that we got closer and, you know, the, uh, it was like, you know, the relationship crucible, you know, COVID studio apartment, you know, only us out here. We don't know anybody. We can't even go out and socialize. And, and luckily, you know, it brought us just so much closer together because of that honesty that, you know, we kind of set the relationship off on and, um, our communication, right. That was, that was so big, um, for us, for us during that entire time, man, there was another point that I wanted, uh, I, I slipped my mind though, but, but yeah, I just had this faith the entire time that, you know, there was a reason that we're out here and I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew that something, you know, that we were out here for a reason and, you know, 20, 2021, you know, I guess proved that. Right. And something did come and there was a light at the end of the tunnel and there was a, uh, you know, uh, uh, triumph in, in the hero's journey. Right. It wasn't just failure and dead and bankruptcy and, <laughs> and move back, to, move back to Wisconsin with our heads, head, heads held low, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. The thing is you just brought there is that I think stress exposes who you truly are. The fact that, and it, like, it's exposed what relationship you did have. And I think a lot of people aren't thinking about, people want to rush to the end, like to the fun part. Like think about the, the, the swipe right, swipe left world right now. I'm swiping right because I want to get late. Let's just do that. This is fun. Like, this is great. This is awesome. Right. And sure. But what you talked about is that you took the time to build the actual foundation of a relationship that when the inevitable struggles of life come up, you had something to come back to. You had like something to absorb that stress, absorb that weight, which I think is so cool that you you can acknowledge and recognize that and it made you stronger like it was yeah. able to put the reps in under like the most obviously i owned a gym for 10 years like i think of a lot of things and like from my fitness mm-hmm. background like 
you're under the weight. This is the moment. Like yeah. you're breaking it down a little bit to get a little bit stronger. And that, that's what it sounds like. You guys come out of a more resilient relationship and wherever you're going to go next, like you have a stronger foundation beneath you and it reinforces this strength that you have. It doesn't like, it didn't break you. It didn't actually yeah. like that I think is immensely valuable. And it's um, anybody who's listening right now to this piece. It's why I think, especially when people go to coaching relationship or investing in, in anything, usually there's a big upfront investment. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you're, building a foundation you spent like, and your investment in your relationship there was honesty, not easy. It's not easy to be authentic. It's not easy to just be you. There's a reason why everybody talks about personal anxiety and all that stuff. So you put a big investment up front that, I mean, imagine trying to build that amidst that, that like your probability, it could happen. Sure. But the probability of it happening that way, chances are not nearly as the opportunity to be as successful. So again, I commend you for that, whether you knew it consciously or not during the time, the fact that you did is what's cool. And my hope is anybody listening, wherever they're at in their phases of relational life, business, personal, and otherwise, is that they take that time for the initial investment do the due diligence. It's going to feel very uncomfortable, but then later on it can absorb and thrive as you did during a time of, you know, sparseness amidst the rest of the world. Um, and you're able to even just see opportunity. Like that's really cool, man. So again, kudos to you. It's, I'm like really happy for you that you've been able to build something like that in your life. And you know, you're a pretty young guy still like that's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank, thank you, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, I'll I'll just, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been, you know, kind of a journey to get here. Right. And some of that has been explained in the podcast today, but yeah, yeah. I do feel like, man, I, I, I was going to say kind of a pivotal part of me and my girlfriend's relationship is kind of those things that I was talking about when I was coming out, right. Of like forgiveness of other people, Right. Of like, Hey, we're, we have open co- uh, communication and that can be a good and a bad thing sometimes. Right. To say, uh, you know, I'm feeling this way. And then later on, you're like, I actually wasn't feeling that way. You know, I was really feeling like this, having that forgiveness of the other person. And we, we always actually took it, you know, at the time, even though we were in debt and, and no way out and this type of stuff, we just said, man, we're so grateful. <laughs> like we could be quarantining in Hawaii or we could be quarantining in Wisconsin, but we're quarantining in Hawaii. Yeah, we have this ocean view and Hawaiian sunsets every night. And so, yeah, again, coming back to that, you know, kind of open acceptance of whatever, uh, whatever comes up is going to come up. And we're, you know, we're just, we're both flawed people. That's, that's okay. You know, we're just going to sit with that. And, and and then the forgiveness and uh, the, uh, uh, there's one other word that I'm missing in there, but I think just also the appreciation, the appreciation of, of each other and, our, and of ourselves. And even though maybe we're different people, uh, um, uh, we, we share, I guess, uh, uh, we share that communication. So 
like a common ground. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's a common ground. And I think that was one of the things that in, in our relationship that I never had with somebody else of like, and that was partially because of me, but that honesty, you know, and I really felt like a, a human being, you know, it was like, what a weird thing. But you know, when I talked to her and, and she has this, you know, total empathy for me, total understanding to me and what in walks a mile with my shoe walks a mile in my shoes, you know, cause she's there every single step of the way, but really has that, um, yeah, that empathy for me, which I, I, I had, but it, you know, it never is expressed like it is in an intimate relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So that was a pivotal, pivotal part. How, how could I persevere for so long? You know, well, I wasn't alone, you know, and I think if I was alone out here driving delivery 12 hours a day and, and all this stuff, one, I wouldn't have maybe a reason, you know, I had another person, you know, who my success greatly affects, right. I had responsibility. I think I became a man in a, in a lot more ways. I wasn't this, you know, goofy hotel manager, you know, uh, Lord of the flies type of thing, but I was, you know, response. I had to become kind of a responsible, you know, adult in a way and, and make things happen. Um, and, and, and hustle. So, yeah. Let's bring it full circle before we close out. How's this experience sure. affected your relationship? As you had mentioned with your father, your family, all those things, how did that change things? Um, definitely closer to my, to my father now. Cause I, I kind of understand him in the, you know, he's a, a salesman and, you know, I'm in sales now at a very high level. He sells technology, you know, um, computer chips and stuff like this. And, and he traveled a lot, you know, when I was young selling and, you know, um, but was, was a great father coached the basketball team and took, you know, we did family trips to Europe and, you know, just did amazing things. And so, it was healing for me to, to see that dog is in me too, in a way and understand and understand a lot better. And, you know, uh, so, so, so that was, that was interesting. And, um, how, how, how did it affect my relationship with parents? Um, realizing that I'm also, you know, very different from them too. Mm. Right. And they always said, I said this at the beginning, but like, we don't think like you, but I also, they also said to me, you've also done things that we never thought we could do, Mm. you know, moved out to Colorado on a whim, lived in Japan. And they were so like amazed, like you got a job in Japan and you're managing this hostel and then you come back and you open it, you know, and I'm just a really different person than them in a way. And, um, yeah, just, you know, I, I think, I think it gave them kind of a, they, they were maybe always a little bit worried about me, you know, of like, where is this guy going? Does he have a plan? You know, is he gonna, you know, mo- try to mooch off of us forever. And then I come out here and, you know, I make things happen that, you know, are about, uh, beyond my imagination, way beyond their imagination, right. Uh, on what was possible for me. And so I think there's maybe a little bit more of a, um, I, I think they see me, maybe they, they see me more as, you know, this less of this crazy kind of lost, confused guy. And that I, I, I got something, you know, I got some sort of magic or some sort of th- thing going on here. Um, 
so I think that was, you know, and, and for like me a, to be able to, like for a, me to be able to come back and say like, oh, you know, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm capable, right. I know what I'm doing in a way. I got my own style and my own life and my own perspective on things, but it's not, uh, I don't know. It's not, um, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the word there, I guess. It sounds like mutual respect. Yeah. Yeah. In a way, yeah. I definitely respect my parents a lot more now and just all the things that they, you know, all the things that you go through finances and family and, and craziness and, you know, and so, yeah, I definitely respect my parents a lot more um, and, and more, more forgiving of them and all of all the things that they, you know, had to go through with me and my brother growing up. It's pretty awesome, man. And in many ways, I just in my own place right now, I'm going through some of my own life and seeing in my own opportunities, how I've experienced some of the same stuff. And I'm so happy for you that you're, you're finding yourself in this place. And said, like, you're kind of looking at the future now, like questioning, thinking mm -hmm. even like, which is what you started this whole thing is I am a thinker. That was your yeah. first response on this whole thing. And I think that's really cool because not enough people even just ponder. They just kind of unconsciously just wander through their life. And, you know, maybe that's their way. But the fact that you take the time to really think about this and, and get curious, I would say is probably a great portion of what has allowed you to find success even in the darkest of times. So how do you call it? The dark night of the soul. I like that a lot. Um, by the way, you should start your own podcast. That's that. I think that'd be really cool. Um, maybe that's your next journey. I don't know. So, right. uh, yeah, man. I know you're thinking about it. Usually my final question of the day is, what is your purpose? If you feel up for it, you want to take a gander at that one? You know, at the, at the start of 2022, 2021 was such a year of hustle and bustle and, you know, this and that and making money. And, and I think I, even though the year was amazing and great and, uh, you know, um, a huge success, I, I made, I made the resolution for this year of I'm going to be that joyful, happy, inspired, playful person where every day I wake up and it's just like, you know, um, what a joy to be alive. Right. And to really have that joy every single day. So what's my purpose? Yeah. I like to help people and talk to people and, and, and all this stuff, but I think for all those things to really work, right. I got to get back to who I am, which is this open and trusting and honest and loving and, and inspired, passionate person. Um, so I don't know what, you know, my, my goals are necessarily right. They're bigger and better than I could ever even imagine, right. What I'll accomplish. You know, I really believe that, but what they are, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I don't, and I, I kind of like, like I said, I leave that a question and, and think about that. And, uh, I think in a year, I think in another year's time, I'll be surprised, um, because I'm really, I'm what this year also is about executing, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, getting out of the thinking right and and just doing and being you know open and trusting and, and not so emotionally and and physically and intellectually armored against what i think um 
it, what, how I think things are supposed to be right. Mm. And what, how I want them to be and just letting, uh, letting, uh, letting things happen. And I, and, uh, and I know I'll be surprised at the results. So. Bro. This was awesome. Somebody listening in right now is like, I dig this guy. I don't know what I need, but I need more of Alex in my life. I want his help on something, wherever it is, real estate stuff, TikTok. I know you do a lot of that, like help people like yeah. do all those things. A lucky charm. Your lucky charm. Ooh. Somebody needs a lucky charm, <laughs> AKA Alex in their life. What would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? How would they connect with you? Uh, I'm on social media, Alex Hit, um, Alexander Hit, or um, got a TikTok channel. Um, got a LinkedIn, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm on social media. Right. So people can find me. My name is Alex head. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you want to send me an email, my email is Alex, a hit at gmail.com. Alex, a like Alexa hit at gmail.com. <laughs> Alex hit was taken, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But my middle name is my full name is Alexander Addison hit. So it's Alex a hit. Strong name. That's a, if people want to send me an email. Um, yeah, yeah. If you want to connect, and I, like I said, I'm always open to random internet connections. You never know who's gonna who's gonna be on the other end. So Dude, I'll definitely that's, respond. That's awesome, brother. Any parting words of wisdom? Any advice? Any final thoughts you want to share with the audience, man? Uh, no, I, I really appreciate you having me on the podcast. I think it was bigger and better than I could have ever imagined. That's for sure. I think it went really well. I'm really happy that we did it. Um, really happy that I did it. And, uh, uh, yeah, just appreciate you, man. And, and the, the friendship that we have, um, you know, in, in the short period of time, right. I think it's, I think it's really great. So looking forward to keep, keep the, keeping the conversation going and, and, uh, excited to see where you go next too. Cause I know you have big things coming as well. It's the goal, man. All yep. the feelings of appreciation and friendship are mutual. I'm grateful that you've somehow wandered into my life on one random networking meeting. Again, people right. don't know who you're going to meet on the internet. Uh, and I agree wholeheartedly with, if you lead with this curiosity, this openness, this kindness, this playfulness, enthusiasm, that's attractive to people and it attracts people who are looking to also bring that same energy to the world. So uh, I would implore anybody else listening to also lead with that. And that's, that was my biggest takeaway from all of this, just in, in how you decided, like, I don't know where this is going to go, but at least I'm going to show up this way. And yeah. uh, that's resonated since the first words I ever heard you speak in those networking meetings. Like, just, I mean, you got palm trees in the, in your background, like, <laughs> dude, just living the dream. So uh, thanks man for just being you. Above all else, thanks for just being you, sharing your story, sharing your insights. Um, and I know great things are to come and I'm excited to see how our, our friendship grows as well. So uh, everybody, I will put his contact information in the show notes so you can always click on that there and connect with uh, Alex in that fashion. Thanks again, brother. And to everybody listening, I remind you until next time to love everybody.